Vita means life, Sony, not death. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Triangle Squared. You are joined today in your ear holes and your video eye holes by Mr. Brett Beck here, your host, and my other good friend and loyal host of the show, Mr. Saul Bridges. How are you today, Saul? I'm doing great because we're on lucky number 27. <laughs> but doing good, good, ready to eat some food here in a little bit. What about you? Uh, yeah, I'm ready to eat some food too, so that'll be, that'll be good. Uh, so for those... Who don't know? We are Triangle Squared, a PlayStation geared podcast. We post every Monday at 12 noon CST and 10 a.m. PST uh, to YouTube in a video format. Or for you people that just want to listen to us in a nice audio format, we post to iTunes, Google Play uh, Music. That's what it is. Google Sound Play Hound. Music. Yeah. SoundHound. SoundCloud. Or SoundCloud. You do this to me every time. SoundCloud. They're both orange apps that have to do with music. I apologize. Okay. Well, anyway, we post there. So you can listen to us. If you do listen to us in podcast-only format, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a comment, let us know how we're doing and getting our numbers up there so people can find us a little easier. But Saul, this is going to be the Express episode. We're recording on a Friday instead of a Saturday, like usual, Yes, yes. Uh, due to some uh, scheduling stuff that we had to kind of work around. But that's okay. That's life. Sure is. And uh, we, got, we got good old Joseph. <clears throat> you guys hear about him. Loki, you play with him. He's in town this week, and we're going to go yeah. get some steaks here in a little bit. So Yeah, so, you know, it's just our day to do everything, and that gives me a little more time to edit and stuff. So, you know what? I don't that's really care. True. It's not a big deal. Uh, but, Saul, because of that, I want to go through one real quick section that I think you might have been about to skip. What have you been playing this week, sir? I was waiting on you, good sir. You know I've been playing Destiny 2 and almost exclusively destiny to you've been working a lot this week i feel like and at least we haven't been gaming at the same time if nothing else it's been like two nights yeah it's before it's been three or four but yeah trying to uh trying to get the raid done on that failed miserably we can do this are we doing it are we are we aiming for tonight with joe Joe being in town joe is in town so probably not unless it's me you rj and a couple other people i would say we might get it done um, I was having the hardest time understanding the gauntlet for whatever reason. But I got you. Don't worry. Yeah, it's just like it, it just I, the way I was having it explained to me and I was being so tired. I was like, OK, so I shoot this one. If they say this one, I'm like, no, and I'm like, OK, whatever. Yeah, the, the rate is so mechanically driven in that game. That's actually what makes it fun. The fact that you don't have to have that somewhat like begrudging. Ooh, I got to hit at the end of this section of the raid. I've got to fight some kind of bullet sponge. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, and I like that the fact that there's really not a lot of ridiculous enemies outside of like, you know, the, the baths having their little bathers and they're still not yeah, ridiculous. Honestly, the, they're, they're manageable. The dogs, the doggos. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's, that's it. Of course, I've been playing a little bit of Fortnite battle Royale by a little bit. I mean a lot. That's why I said I lied earlier and I said exclusively destiny Two because Fortnite battle Royale is super fun. Pick it up. It's free. Play with me. Squads is really, really fun and I interesting. I still need to do that. I'm telling you, for a free game, you can spend dozens of hours in it and get your... But um, I'm going to tell you the problem. I finally... Okay, well, are, is that what you Yeah, because I know you're about to say you beat so that, too. So let's go into this. Okay, so I've been playing Destiny 2, obviously, and I did complete the raid without Saw. betrayed him, stabbed him in the back. Uh, but that's okay. I needed to get it done, and honestly, I was just surprised that I honestly expected to go into it, fail miserably, and then just go to bed. And as we actually kept progressing through it, I was like, we're going to do it. I feel so good about this. So, uh, you know, did that, did the raid in Destiny, uh, finally hopped on. Uh, I mean, I've been back and forth in that a little bit, but I finally hopped on and beat the final chapter. Uh, and that last boss. I saw you were having troubles on Twitter. He was rough, but I'll still say eight times was my final count, and that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Not bad at all, because I'm, I know that some people have had issues with him on hard. To be fair, his damage output is already ridiculous on hard. So going very hard, there's a couple of spots where it's basically one hit and you die. I've spent but less. I'm, dude, I'm so proud to have beaten that game on very hard for absolutely no reason. <laughs> because I've, there's not one trophy tied to it besides beating one chapter, first chapter. That's how I felt when I got number one in Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this not a trophy? So here, it wasn't. So here's the biggest thing. I've gone back because I'm going for the platinum. I'm pretty close. I'm like 70% already. So all I got to do is go into the gauntlet thing or the Coliseum thing and get some knack tokens. And then I've got to um, run through the story and get at least one crystal knack, which is collecting all of one crystal relic set. There, you have to get it to 20. Yeah. Uh, and that's a trophy. And there's one for getting all of the uh, skill trees completely unlocked. 
So, with that being said, I'm running through again, right, on uh, New Game Plus because that exists where you roll through with your original save and, and have everything from the beginning. So, the fact that I have everything from the beginning and the fact that I'm playing on normal this playthrough. Oh, it's going to be super easy. I'm already in, like, Chapter 6. Yeah, that's that, was, that, that run's going to be super <laughs> And I'm skipping easy. all the movies when they come up, so I'm just rolling through it. So, the other thing I've been playing, obviously, Destiny, Knack, and then I played a little bit of my Vita this week. Uh, but I don't feel like I've played any one thing enough to actually feel like I can commit to saying I played it. But with Knack 2 being gone, you're talking about hopping on to Fortnite. The problem with Fortnite is now that I've got Knack 2 off my list, I really, really feel the urge to go pick up East 8, which I've been holding off on until I beat Knack, specifically because I was like, I don't want to get too many games where I'm cycling through yeah because the way the destiny grind works and i'm trying to play with y'all's schedule it ends up being one of those things where it's like i've purposely been pushing knack back even though i probably could have beaten it earlier this week but it's fine yeah i've gotten to play and i've gotten my character up in destiny so i'm i'm happy with it and well golf story comes out on switch um real soon it's 15 bucks i'm definitely picking that game up golf story yeah it's like a uh, rpg golf game that is in tune to like earthbound and stuff looks really cool that sounds like the game i've always wanted dude it's great i'm telling you it, it, it looks great but um I'm going to go ahead and drop into the drop, of course. One quick thing before the drop. Can you imagine a FIFA or sports-style game to where not only did you play the life during the actual games, but then you went home and like handled the drama of the storyline going with like his wife, and then like you go out and then some guys pick you up and there's a shooting section because you're hanging with the wrong people? Well, see, it's not it's not like that kind of golf story. It's like I'm just thinking a, about the fact that it's like I'm sure it's literally just a golf game with some kind of weird RPG elements. Um, pretty much. I've been but, my, I've been keeping myself pretty blonde on it, but it looks it's it's really cool eight bit style art. Um, oh, and, so it looks like if you made um like Terraria or um Star, uh, Stardew, Stardew, Valley. Yeah, Stardew Valley into a, a golf game. Yeah, and it it, it it's, still looks like you walk around the overworld though, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, like it looks like it's just an RPG, and golfing is one of the huge elements of it, which is really interesting. Um. But something new for the drop I'm okay. going to start doing. Everybody knows that PS4 is currently the, the dominant Sony system. So if I don't say the console, it's obviously on PS4. I'll bring it up PS3 or Vita when uh, necessary. They are making it more complicated than necessary. Super so. easy. Ken, here we go. We have Batman, the enemy within, only on retail. Need to pick that up. But what I've learned from Marvel uh, don't do it. Guardians you, you of the Galaxy all. is that I still haven't played it because it's still not completely released. Even though I bought it in March or May or whatever it was, it's been too long. Continue. Though. That's true, though. Battle Chasers Night War, digitally and retail for PS4. Battle Garega Rev.2016 or Rev 2016 for PS4. I'm just going to say it anyways. I don't care. <laughs> Detention for PS4. Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen for PS4, both woo, woo. physically and digitally. You know our boy Ryan. He's super excited for it, and he's making me super excited for he's it. He's making me excited for it but I because make sure I never got that far into it. You know, That's a never, game I played, but never it didn't played beat. it. Yeah. I, always, I always heard the magic in the game is super good. Well, I'll and tell you this much. The game had a little bit of performance issues on PS3 early days, and that's part of what kind of made me not want to go back to it. But uh, I don't know if you noticed, he said that his... Um, pawn will be available for you so what it is is that your your character that you make your extra character you can hire other people's little companions that they make just because we're on the same friends list to be your pawn so it's like you can hire their person to run alongside you is it because we're on the same friends list what's the mechanic i don't i don't think that you have to be on the same friends list i actually think that you just search them but it may be based off friends list it's been so long since i played i just remember that you could hire your friends companions as as extra pawns for you that's really cool though which is an interesting so Ryan, let me know about that because i'm probably gonna pick he said it, it would be at your service so i'm sure I, I saw i knew what he meant loosely yeah i didn't mess with it a whole lot but jonathan had that game and played a lot of it and uh, that's how you know with me being off next weekend it sounds like something i want to jump into yeah we have expand for ps4 the hunter call of the wild for ps4 physically and digitally judge for ps4 mystic bell for ps4 save the ninja clan for ps vita Twin Robots for PS4 and PS Vita. WRC7 for PS4, digitally and physically. And that's it for that, you guys. Another this D- is WRC ex- game. Express episode underway. Yeah, so what was what would you say is your most excited game on the list? Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Dogma. I'd agree. Not including Golf Story, but that's obviously not the same thing. I really wish that that would come to Vita. That looks like a good Vita game. What, Golf Story? Yeah. It'd be perfect. That's And that's why you know people are saying that they're super excited for Stardew Valley on the Vita. 
And did you see what they, they, they tweeted out the other day? Oh, no. That Stardew Valley is fully optimized and ready for the Switch. And people got so mad. Well, yeah, but they knew that was going to happen before right, but, but But still, it's Vita's like, a little harder to develop for considering it's, uh, what, six-year-old tech now? Pretty much, yeah. Um, but we have reader mail questions before news? I forgot nah, how to do Yeah, we that. do news and then we okay. go into reader mail. So... Uh, I'm going to tell y'all it's Friday, and I've had a, just a ridiculous week. I've tried to keep up with the news as best I can, so if I missed anything, y'all tweet at me. Let me know. Let me know what was important to y'all. Let me know what I failed you on, and then uh, I'll cry myself to sleep afterwards. So, going into the first thing, uh, Warner Brothers have apologized for the situation surrounding the Forthog DLC for Shadow of Mordor uh, that acted as a tribute to a former employee, with part of the proceeds going to his family. They've made the DLC free and are giving refunds to those who have purchased it, as well as giving a donation directly to the family of the deceased employee. So the situation re- re- revolving around this is some people didn't think it was very ethical for them to do it this way. I kind of actually thought that what they were doing was nice and in an interesting way. But to be fair, this is cleaner. What I also just read giving them a straight donation is honestly the if you're trying to do something nice for the family, that was probably the better way to do it. But I also read that they're not giving the full amount for each pay DLC or for each of these purchases. It's like three bucks on the uh, on the ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, whatever. because they're still paying the people who developed it. You right. Know yeah. I mean? To an extent. Yeah. I just know people had issues with that as well. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah. The only thing I was to saying. be fair, yeah, it, it could have been the entire amount to show you know respect and towards his family and the employee and all that, but. Nature of the Beast, in a way, it's interesting to see them say that they, you know, handled it in the wrong way and that they're going back and making it free and even giving refunds. I thought it's just nice. And then the fact that they wrapped it all up with giving a donation directly to the family is very nice. It's, yes. Um, so that's good. Uh, next thing up is that PlayStation have announced the PS Plus lineup for the month of October, like everybody's so excited about. So starting October 3rd, users can download the following the following titles. Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain for PS4. Amnesia Collection for PS4. Monster Jam Battlegrounds for PS3, Hustle Kings for PS3, <laughs> Hue uh, for Vita cross by with PS4, and Skyforce Anniversary for Vita cross by PS4 and PS3. So of that list, obviously the PS4 games are pretty interesting. Uh, solid PS4 games, both of them. Solid. Metal. I would know. No, I was not making that. Um, Amnesia Collection is. There's no for way Halloween. in hell I'm going to play an expanded version of Metal Gear Solid. Um, for free though. Hold on, hold on, on. What's what's the name of that game now? I can't Ground Zeroes. Ground Zero. There's no way in hell I'm playing an expanded version of that game in one big open desert that looks the same the entire it's free. time you roll through. Just try it out. I've I've played the game. I don't need to play anymore. It's so good. It's so good. Well, it's I, funny because I, I, I agree have a to friend, disagree. I agree to disagree. I have a friend who called me out saying that I wasn't a real Metal Gear Solid fan. And oh it's yeah. Funny because he listed something I have said, but I, every person I've ever has played that game has said the same thing including joe that's why joe started laughing and it's it's a particular point in the game in which you just stop just because you want to but the game keeps going and he's like i bet you that's what you did huh and i'm like yeah because that's pretty much where it should have ended <laughs> but or they, they should have ended and it's it funny or, because or they said there's, there's people saying that the game was unfinished but then there's people that i've heard of a few people say that the game should have ended at an earlier point well no that's that's what i'm saying is that it it, it in the current state it's in, it should have ended there. But because the rest of it feels unfinished. Yeah. That I, feels like okay, a good yeah. conclusion. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm still not going to play it, but I'm pretty excited for Hugh. That game looks really cool, and I've almost bought it a couple times, but I've always held off. Um, so it's good to be able to get that for free. So next thing up, Rockstar showed a new trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2, for people who are excited for that. This week, uh, showing in-engine footage and hinting at story aspects for the first time, realistically, in one of the trailers. The game is still aiming for a spring 2018 release, so no further delay because there was rumor of another delay. Going to tie in a reader question here. Red Dead trailer impressions from Ryan Turismo Sport. Um, thought it was great. I know Brett's not huge on Red Dead, but I mean, I, uh, it, it, it looks super it looks, me it looks great. Uh, it, it looks like a game that for people who are excited for that game is going oh, to be fantastic. It's super. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because here's the thing. While I don't necessarily love Red Dead, and I do think it's a little overrated, it's overrated by my standards. It did not hit what I wanted it to. I do not play that game and, and look at it and go, I don't see how anybody would want to play it. Actually, I'm going to say right now, I think Red Dead has more qualities that I think make sense to make it a hit than Grand Theft Auto does. Definitely new I've Grand heard, Theft Auto. I've heard people say that before. I don't, so I don't yeah, think Grand Theft Auto Five. I don't even get how. I mean, yeah, I don't see how that game's gotten as big as it has. Um, but it's just not a game for me. And I really, me and the Grand Theft Auto series really started disconnecting around the time that the PSP Grand Theft Autos were coming out. Yeah, like Vice uh, City. I stories. really, I really liked Liberty City Stories. The Vice City Stories just did not do it for me. And I think I just kind of fell out of those. And then Four was a big disappointment. So. Hmm. 
but yeah, still super, interesting. Super so I know a lot of people are excited about Red Dead Redemption Two. It's something that everybody's been waiting for for what is it seven years now? Because Red Dead came out twenty ten. Yeah, it's yeah. been a quite a while. It's gonna be eight <clears> technically, <throat> but yeah. Okay, so next thing, Sony have announced that they will be turning off the online services for Gravity Rush Two on January nineteenth. This will affect treasure hunts, dusty tokens, and challenges in the game, as well as a couple of picture things that are used. Uh, and that dynam- the, the online stuff is dynamically built into the world. So it's not going to really change anything except for making the world feel a little less alive. Uh, it's disappointing because that game is obviously only a year old, but it's also a game that doesn't warrant much for online. It's only there for people who are still playing through the story. Does it affect the platinum? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I don't saying, think so. It sounds like with Dusty Tokens, that may affect the Platinum. Because <clears throat> I know that Dusty Tokens are like outfits, right? I, I don't remember because I didn't really okay. mess with the online side. I, I thought it was interesting. I did a, a few of the treasure hunts just to kind of get an idea of what, what I was doing. But that game for me was obviously very story-focused, which it was for a lot of people. And most of the people who wanted to play it have already played it. Obviously, yeah. that game did not just sell skyrockets. So it is what it is. It's disappointing to hear that they couldn't keep simple online stuff up for more than a year, considering that there are games that are still playable on computer and stuff. You can still play matches on Rainbow Six Vegas 1. So it's, it's a little disappointing to hear that this is getting shut down you so can? early. Yeah. From last gen? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good game. That's a really good game. Next thing up, a VR superhero game, Megaton Rainfall, has been delayed into October. Originally set to come out this week, it has now been pushed back to release October 17th. So we'll see if it hits that date. That's that one where you fly around and can kind of like, you can fly the surface of the sun yeah. and all this weird stuff. It looks kind of cool. I don't know if I'm going to get it quite yet. Uh, but speaking of VR, there's a virtual reality, a real-time strategy MOBA called Dark Eclipse that's coming to PSVR in the West in 2018. The game features multiplayer battles using the headset to look around the battlefield while using godlike hands to place things in the battlefield. It's probably the most interesting VR title I'm, I'm excited for. There's a couple I've seen that use that kind of, they're using strategy and letting your head kind of move you around the battlefield, which I think is really interesting. It's almost like when you see military people having the little like, mini like scale the things. The pawns. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Super cool. Actually, you know what? That would make a cool VR game to where like there's a war going on that way. And you could just pick up your pawns and move them. So basically risk. I was going to say that, VR. So I feel like I've seen a video game like that before. Oh, wait. Well, risk is a board game. Wait, no, no, no. It's, it's another it's another game that failed miserably. Mm. I remember the trailer. But I, I can't remember the title. But yeah. go oh, well. on. All right. Next thing. Yakuza Kiwami received Street Pack DLC free of charge with update 1.09. This is the last of the free DLC planned for this release following three previous free packs. Uh, last thing I have on the list is one of the most interesting things I've seen this week is that PlayStation Australia is having an event in where they are giving away four real life platinum trophies to the first person to platinum for participating games. The games in question are FIFA 18, Gran Turismo Sport, Call of Duty World War II, and a fourth game that is yet to be announced. This needs to come to the West, and it needs to it needs <clears throat> to happen f- like frequently, but not so where it's just it gets old. It's super interesting, and I and if, if you've seen what the trophy looks like, it looks really no, it does. Good. It, looks it looks like a really real life good. platinum. So that's it's super cool. I'm, I'm I'm impressed with it, and I think it's a cool way to engage the gamers and also kind of encourage trophy hunting. In an interesting way, and of course, though, it's going to be one of those things where people who are killing the trophy hunt game are going to get it pretty soon, I'm sure. Uh, you have to tweet in after you do it in you know, some kind of weird way, and it's weird, but either way, I still think it's interesting for someone to do that. So, Mr. Saul, do you want to move into the rest of the reader mail real quick? Sure. So, a part of Ron's question about Red Dead was also still on that <laughs> Destiny grind, and you know it, boy. You know it. We are so on that destiny grind, and I'm actually a little surprised. Uh, don't get me wrong; I'm starting to hit my limits of where if Saul's not on, I'm or not Saul. If no one's on that I feel like playing with, or if no one's on, then I'm probably just going to get off and play something else. It's one of those things I just kind of don't see the the, the pull is gone for me. Just wanting to play it because it's fun. Uh, the game is still suffers from a little bit of the repetitive nature that the first game did with the base it's like content. T- Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays are the best three days. Right after the reset, the milestones. Yeah, but then after that, unless you're doing which the raid we still or, have the raid, and that the raid I feel like is gonna definitely once we run through the raid, I feel like there'll be a little more sense of a completion, and maybe right. we we'll both slow down on playing it a little bit. And then then that prestige. I do I do want to go for that platinum though. So. Yeah, oh yeah, dude, I'm two away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sh- uh, Jonathan over at Shenanigans and such. How would you feel about another Jack and Daxter remake or even a Spyro remake? 
No on Jack and Daxter unless it's from the ground up. Then yes. Well, I think that's what he's talking about when he says a remake. Yes. Then both on. Yes. So I think what he's taking. uh, uh, My assumption whenever I saw him tweet this in was that he's saying take the idea of the Crash Bandicoot remakes and the uh, you know uh, Ratchet and Clank remake. What if he just took those games and from the ground up rebuilt them for the console? Uh, And I think that if you did that, it's interesting enough to warrant. Only thing about Jack and Daxter is that two and three are so different that. I almost feel like they would end up trying to change one. <clears throat> but if they handled it the same way as they did with like Crash Bandicoot, that wouldn't really happen. Because it would end up being that we just want to make these games look and play exactly like they did, but with a newer style and a little more interesting. I don't know. It, it's a weird way to go, but I think I would be okay with both of them. Because this remake thing is actually pretty interesting. And I don't know if you saw, they have confirmed that they are updating the controls. For Shadow? For Shadow. Yeah, that's now, what I'm excited about because they are It just depends dated. because they're, while those games were a little, I don't want to say frustrating to play, they were unique in the way they handled, but there was something about the way that it did. It just it added to the charm of that game to me, and I hope that that doesn't take it away, but I'll just have to wait and see when that game comes out. So um, do we have any more reader, reader mail, Saul? We do. We have good old Sean Neo <laughs> at No Fate. He said, if you had to choose, would you rather have one game per series per generation so basically, no Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 in the same gen. Or would you rather have three games but only on that one gen? So would you rather have a trilogy stretched out over the course of three generations or three games in well, one it, gen? And it doesn't have to be a trilogy, to be fair. It could be like, you know, a good way to use it is actually the Elder Scrolls is a perfect well, example okay, of what he's yeah, talking about. Three, three, one game per series per generation. Yeah. Elder Scrolls has been doing that for a little while now. Well, so. Right. Well, not, not so well much technically not trilogy. because Oblivion and Skyrim were both PS3. I apologize. I didn't think about that. Uh, PS3, Xbox. So, with that being said, though, you, there's obviously very big gaps between them, and they almost come out on the edge of other generations. So, ah, man, it's such a hard question because what was funny is that something he specifically said in response to that, um, when someone else was talking about clarification for it, he mentioned Resistance Three, or he mentioned the Resistance trilogy, um, <clears throat> and it just killed me because he he makes such a good point. Man, the Resistance games across one platform, you still saw such a jump that the sequels felt worthy. And there's something about constantly kind of getting to revisit that world every couple of years that I don't think I'd be willing to give up if it's going to be a series. But I get where I'm also torn in the fact of the jumps would be even crazier from generation to generation. But I also feel like you start to lose the... You kind of start to, if you're trying to go for an actual, it depends on what the series is to an extent, because if it's something like Elder Scrolls where none of the stories are really connected, I think every generation would actually be kind of cool because you're going to see the jumps you want to see in that type of game. But if it's something that's a little more story driven and trying to constantly re, you know, come through and, and create a storyline, I really want to see the storyline in one console. I want to be able to kind of keep that storyline in my head for a couple of years and then revisit that storyline with new stuff as these sequels come out. So I'm, I'm going to stick with, I think I would rather than be on one console and if nothing else, because you would end up remembering that console fondly specifically because of that series. Yeah. I, I mean, see, and I, I'm on both sides right here, but the way I would say is probably have three games per generation than dead. Well, cause I, it's basically where I'm kind of coming into it, like where my comparison point is, is that the way I kind of go is that Sonic, uh, Sonic, uh, Crash Bandicoot one, two, and three are basically that series to me. And, and Kart, uh, Crash uh, Bandicoot Racing, so uh, CTR, Crash Team Racing. That game and the three before it, that generation was all PS1 games, and that series pretty much died for me afterwards. None of the other games really ever did it for me. So I'm kind of using that as where my mind goes of, I still love those games experienced all through that generation, and I actually remember the PS1 more fondly specifically because I tie PS1 to those games. Yeah. I don't tie any other console to those games because no other console had those games that were actually good enough for me to feel like, it was memorable on that hand on that console. So yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm, I want to say in like resistance one, two, three is a, is, tr- is a series that I absolutely adore. Uh, and I will always fondly remember the PlayStation three specifically because of that series. Uh, of course there's some others that I remember because of that, but that is just a, a really good series that ties home to what I think of when I think of the PS three. I agree. Like, I think that I'd rather have, the the gap in the time there's think about it there's 10 years i'd rather have three really really good games within that 10 years than one game then 10 years later another game 
roughly 10 years. So I'm going to say eight. That's probably yeah, a, I would say, a little bit still, you know, so, if, the, if I was told that I can't get another Zelda game or Destiny game or, you know, whatever for seven more years, it's like, nah, I want, I want another one. Because the quality is not going to change in these kind of games. Like three or four years is the standard development cycle, and that's what they need. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that need, but then at the same time, the other thing about them being able to take time is that you never know if taking time is going to help them make the make the series fresh skin in a way that's a lot crazier. Because could you imagine if Assassin's Creed just dropped and didn't come back for even five years, and then we saw Assassin's Creed come back with way more tech, flipping everything we knew about the game on its head, but still keeping elements of what made you love it in the first place for people who were fans of it. A lot of times, <clears> though, <throat> um, I don't think that games need that development cycle because. Mm-hmm. They'll just be kind of sitting on a shelf waiting. Cause what, you talking about five years? No, yeah. actually, I would say that a lot of those games are five years of, of development time. Well, I mean, that's, it's that's a big, big team. That's, that's how much, like you know, that's how much Horizon took. Um, yeah, that's all a the, big team, though. Yeah, I mean, the, the the Call of Duty games take three years now. So, I mean, five years would only just give them more time to polish the game a little bit. Uh, a perfect example of a game that had a long uh, dev time and then they actually extended it because they wanted it to go into the movie was the Ratchet & Clank. That game actually sat done and had a lot more time for them to polish it and make sure that there was no bugs uh, because they basically just left like a real skeleton crew on it to kind of keep working out small stuff as they were waiting for the game to release. Which I actually think was a brilliant idea because yeah. that game, I, that game had no notable bugs. Yeah, I, I don't think it had any bugs. That I, I mean, like every game's gonna eventually run into something, but that game had no common bugs. So okay, well, that interesting, works. but um, right. but yeah, that was it for all of the questions. Sean Neo, thank you for the great one. Ryan, thank you for the great one. Jonathan, kill yourself. Um, anyways, we actually know him in person. That's um, that's not a yeah. Fan we love insulting. Jonathan because yeah, he's one of our best friends. But um, we have. Brett, moving in with the main topic here. Okay, so where we're going with this, and it, and it kind of just hit me today. It's funny because we knew we were recording today, but we, I've had such a ridiculous week. I haven't had much time to think about what we want to do for topic of the show, and then randomly it hit me that earlier this week. I was like, oh, yeah, Andrew House made those those <laughs> remarks. I'm going to say remarks or statements speaking about a possible PlayStation um, portable success or a PS Vita successor, really. Um that I completely disagree with. Now, that doesn't mean I think he's stupid for saying it or anything like that, but I do want to go into specifically everything he said. So, off of what his remarks were, uh, Mr. Andrew House, who is the CEO of uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, uh, he says, quote, the Nintendo device is a hybrid device, and that's a different approach and strategy. We have not seen that as being a huge market opportunity outside of Japan and Asia. There was not a huge demand for the Vita experience. Um, sorry. There was not a huge demand for the Vita experience outside of Japan and Asia. Despite the success of the uh, Nintendo 3DS is kind of where we're going off of this is what in the hell? <laughs> just, just, just keep on going. I'm, I'm going to conversate with you without breaking the silence. Ah, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> okay. Well, Joe had to make reservations for 630. Just uh, thought I'd let you know. That uh, was the only time Roadhouse had. Okay. Well, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. We'll go ahead and wrap this up because this is something that I know kind of where I stand on it, but I also just want to go. So he says that, you know, going off of how successful the Switch is, he doesn't quite know if it's a good analog to what a Vita successor, how it would necessarily perform. So the the thing about that is he says this, and of course I know that their core business right now is very focused around home consoles, and of course that's where they've seen success. So they're not necessarily looking to expand into a market that they're not going to make hand over fist money on when they're already doing so well with the PS4. Why split your focus when you can have one? Um, now, of course, where I stand on this is that I, I personally love the Vita. I've had it since day one. I actually got the week early um, special founders. I, that's the one I think I ended bundle. up getting too because that came with the memory card, eight gigabyte, the earbuds, the pouch, and it didn't. It didn't come with. It, it came with the hard shell, which is what I have. Okay, which I mind. love. I think I just got the starter <clears throat> and you got it a week early, and the, I mean it oh, was. I did it not was get very that because you got the three G one, didn't you? Yes, yes. Um, I but, think I was gonna say I think they made a lot of mistakes in that early, early market. No, they made a lot of mistakes in Vita. No, no, no I'm, talking, I'm talking about specifically early, but yeah, well, yeah, and I mean card. early the. And nobody knew how bad that was going to be until pricing crept up. 
And then it was like, oh, right. Which you had, you had ideas that it was going to be bad because it's proprietary, right? And proprietary and, typically ends up being more expensive. Now the PSP, you saw this kind of half and half. It was proprietary, but it wasn't proprietary specifically to the to the PSP. I was going to ask. It could that. still use. It was still able to be used across other Sony. Yeah, things. See, so I was, it still drove price down. I was so young on my PSP. Were, were the memory card pricing for PSP as bad as the no, not, not near, so. and then Sandisk was able to make an off-brand one. It was still proprietary, but Sandisk made their own version of it. Which I'm pretty sure they could not do with uh, Sony, right? Well, part of the reason that Sony went into this is that the memory cards was part of the reason that the uh, the PSP was able to be hacked so easily. Uh, so, of course, part of the Pandora's reason they didn't want to battery. do that is they didn't want to... Uh, they basically, because the PSP was just a farm for any kind of... Emulation. Emulation and breaking and, and just breaking the console. Or not breaking the console, sorry. Uh, but jailbreaking the console is what some people terminology would use. But you're basically going into the system and able to pirate it from the inside because you can make the system think that you're running official software. So they did everything they could to make sure that, that nobody would be able to break the Vita and do similar things with the PSP because that drove some developers and publishers away from the PSP because there was no guarantee there was no return of what you did. Guaranteed, their games could may not have been purchased. <clears throat> Instead, they would have been pirated. Exactly. So you you're going to lose out on sales, you know, because of pirating. And the pirating was so easy that every console's had pirating. But when it's as easy as it was on PSP, it's like, man, the average person can do this easily. Well, see, and my whole thing is that, without being too harsh, I think that when you shift, not blame, but you shift marketing into a way. That he did, where it's basically saying the marketing's not good enough in in, in North America. Because you mean the market? Yeah, the market. Sorry, not marketing. Not marketing. Yeah. So yeah, you, when he blames it on the market. Okay, I, so yeah, he had some other stuff to say. So what going off? And this is an article on PlayStation Lifestyle. So this is what they had to say about it. But this is just the one I found first and clicked on it, so I could tell y'all for people who didn't know quite what he was talking about. Uh, it was based around the success of the Nintendo Switch and whether or not the Vita was going to get some kind of successor because they see a need for it in the market and then versus why wouldn't they specifically because the Vita wasn't quite as successful. Um, so continuing on from what I said earlier uh, about the experience not being very you know demanded outside of Japan and Asia, he says the lifestyle shift toward the dominance of smartphones as the single key device that is always with you uh, is part of of the Vita not being a success, which we've heard similar statements from Shuhei Yoshida. We've heard similar stuff from just everybody in Sony as time's going along. Um, I, I personally disagree with it, but at the same time as me and Saul, were kind of having a micro conversation before we started recording. There are people that will lump, you know, technically mobile gaming is lumped in the handheld gaming because it's in your hand and you're holding it. Right. Which is <laughs> uh, ludicrous. But I do think that they, they house such different experiences that phones have not, been able to consistently touch the quality of games that you see on handhelds. So I still view them as separate things in my mind, but to be fair, they are part of a similar market. I'm not going to say the exact same market, but it's like, it's like that cousin market. They certainly have, or that half sister. Market, I don't think they you know? share the same player base that are adults. I'm pretty sure kids who want to get their gaming fix in, and then they have the DS, and then or the Vita, and then they have their phone. Then sure, but I don't think adults who play on these handhelds play on their phones. Well, it, okay, and it goes down to For Vita, the most Vita was much more aimed at core gamers first and foremost, whereas the 3DS is aimed at casual gamers. So the 3DS and mobile gaming, actually, in my opinion, have more of an overlapping than you see with Vita. And I think that's part of what he's saying is that it's. Gaming on phones and 3DS is just easier, typically. It's stuff that's a little more built towards being put up and put down, whereas the Vita was aimed at being this console away from your console, which I loved. And see, I uh, always but to had... be fair, it didn't need it because it, so many of these games have not been home experiences. Uh, one of the best games on the system, Severed and Guacamelee, all these games, these are not typically what you would consider home console quality games. These are games that obviously make sense on the handheld, and they're they're actually the games that made that system shine in the long run. Now, don't get yeah. me wrong. You have games like Uncharted that show that this system could be a beast if it were Gravity Rush. Be. Gravity Rush. You had Killzone Mercenary. Uh, I'll even go as far as to say, while Nihilistic was not a very great developer, the first Resistance was not a bad take at a first-person shooter on a handheld. Uh, much better than any first-person shooter we ever saw on, on the DS or the PSP. Heard pretty bad about Call of Duty, though. <laughs> Call of Duty was not very good. Call of Duty was um, It was partially because of the way they tried doing it. It was like these little small missions that were timed and this weird stuff. Instead of letting it be its own campaign, it was a really... The game was made in like nine months. So oh, I'm wow. not even going to get into that. That, yeah. that actually is somewhat impressive, then. 
It, um, and actually, I'll say it looks better than Resistance, but not just leaps and bounds. Kills on Mercenary is the is the go to on that. But this episode's not necessarily a retrospective on what Vita has done wrong, even though it definitely plays part into what we're talking about with why Vita two would actually or Vita successor would be wanted and needed. Obviously, they did a lot of things that everybody liked. Or not everybody. They did a lot of things that a lot of people liked, and they did a lot of things that people kind of were like, mm. but the overall yeah. thing is that obviously Vita has a very hungry fan base, uh, and it's a very loyal fan base. Is it very big? Who knows? You know, it, Vita sold last time I can really remember. I think it was like 20 million or something, which obviously it still sells pretty strongly in Japan. Um, with the 3DS also, and the, even the PSP still strong, selling strongly in Japan. So, which is nuts. with what he's talking about on this Japan and Asia handheld. Okay, he's right. He is he right. He is right. There is more of a market for it there than ever. But I also think it gets to the point where, from a business side of things, I could get why they wouldn't want to jump into it. But I would be hard-pressed to say that they lost money on Vita. I don't well, think they did because they quit pushing it, and they've continued to make money off of game sales all the time. They'll, they'll, they'll say the, the, the marketing or the market's not right. But here's the thing is that you didn't give that a chance because how fastly you kind of killed your own system. And like the launch, and I do was think that because you know you saw the death of the Vita, and at least definitely in North America, and I would even say probably in Europe, uh, about two two and a half years into its life cycle, which I think was just a little too premature to call it. But at the same time, I kind of got again from a business perspective pulling the plug and not putting too much more money into it, and just kind of letting it float on because they didn't say that games can't be made for it, anything like that. All they said is, hey, we're not going to support it with our first party, but there's still going to be a slew of great games coming out from other developers. It's almost like they the were... The game, it, it did fine, but we keep going back to this idea of retrospective of what the Vita did. And we can talk about that a lot. Right. But what what I want to go into is that we specifically know, you know, he's he uses a Switch as a point of comparison. And and he constantly says that if the, the Nintendo is a hybrid device. And in one of the... It actually doesn't say it in this one. But in one of them, he talks about the fact that people view it as a console more than they view it as a handheld. Um, and that's something that I would really like to see numbers on because it's something you don't know. Um, but we were talking about at least in terms of online community and a few people I do know that have them. Yeah, Most people that I know actually use them as a handheld first and foremost and only use the console when it makes more sense with like party games. That- I docked my switch and played it on the uh, docking mode like three times. Literally once. I played. We played uh, Bomberman was- on on my Switch on my TV once. I haven't docked it since. To be fair, I haven't played my Switch in probably three months. Yeah. But, oh well. There's not any games that are really hitting it for me just yet. Uh, Zelda wasn't, I want to say, a letdown, but I played as much Zelda as I want before I far started feeling like the experience was too repetitive. Right. And I was like, I've gotten what I needed out of it. I'm just done. So, so as a consequence of this and, and the way that um, Sony's kind of shooing away a handheld idea do you think that a lot of the indie developers that feel at home on the vita are going to go to the switch once the vita dies and then those developers are going to be missed out when the new handheld comes out when they inevitably do it because they're going to do it uh, we all yeah know. i mean i think the argument can be made that they're still they the door is still open for them to do it it's basically yeah. what it comes down to i don't even this is not a nail in the coffin right this is not them saying they'll absolutely never do it again they're just saying right now they don't see it as a huge market opportunity uh, which from a business side makes sense. But when we're talking about what people want in the gaming sense, I do think that as the Vita continues to get to a point where even the indie games that people are trying to come out with prove to be too hard to port to the Vita uh, because the Vita becomes the least common denominator. And it's just you're trying to go after something that's having less and less market share as the Switch continues to go up. Um so it's hard to say. I, I know that a lot of developers are very loyal to the Vita as long as people buy their games on Vita, and there's a couple of developers that have really found their home on Vita. Uh, Drinkbox Studios being one of them, the people behind Guacamelee, Guacamelee Severed. Severed. And that, um, even though those games they, are on phones and Switches, of course. Yeah, of course. And, and that's what around, worries. What, but those games were very heavily supported, and the blob, the, the mutant blob games also were very right. heavily supported on Vita from the get-go, and they knew they had a player base there, and they've continued to foster that player, ba- that player base and support that player base that supported them. And that's something that's respectable, and I think a lot oh, yeah. of indie developers feel that way. They know that if that there is a hungry 
I'd almost say that what's funny is that because the Vita has no first party support, they actually know that because people who have a Vita who are hungry for games are not getting it in the first party aspect, they're going to be more likely to buy and experiment on games that they may not have taken a chance with before. So I yeah, do think the true. indie thing is very important. Talking specifically about how the Switch goes and how a Vita successor and the Switch would be competition wise, I think that if Sony was smart, they would try and find a way to really emphasize um, because they, there's no way that they haven't seen that this indie scene is what's continued to make the Vita right. thrive three and a half years after they killed their system. Yeah. You know I mean? The game, the system still has new games coming out to this day. And, um, uh, and, and people are buying and them. And being great games. Yeah. So you're seeing, you're seeing people hungry for games on this device. And of course you're going to start to see these games as they continue to be too hard to develop for, uh, Vita, they're gonna move. They're gonna move to Switch as the handheld option, and then of course there's gonna be people on Switch who are hungry for games, also because we're not in a steady stream of, yeah. of Switch releases just yet. It reminds um, me, reminds me of the the 3DS launch, how it came out with the the stupid submarine game and a Zelda game. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, this launch was still much stronger titles, and we've seen continued stronger true. titles. We have Splatoon two now, Mario Kart, and all that. Mario, uh, even though I think a lot of these are just kind of reusing the Wii U ideas. These are games that weren't experienced by a lot of people, and they're beloved games but going well, see, on to that there's 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 a hunger in that market for these indie games so of course they're going to move to switch and as they move to or and i say move to switch as long as nintendo fosters and facilitates a good environment for indies to work in which i would go which ahead has and been say, which has been half and half there are some well, indies that say they're not doing very well currently i would say it's doing pretty good because there's st- there, there is in the same boat that the vita is where there's not a whole lot of first party support out now and then so people are turning to games like Golf Store. Well, yeah, but of course, even though, even then, the games have got – it's got to be easy enough to work with Nintendo to make these games. So as long as they're facilitating a good way to help indie developers indies, yeah. make their games on their console, I think you'll see them move there. Um, and I think if a Vita successor was to ever come, you would end up seeing the same – I think that if Sony was smart, you'd end up seeing the same support on the Vita – uh, because now the Vita comes to a point where it's technologically to a point where it's able to do these things, if that makes sense. So going off of that, I think that you're right. There's not a nail in the coffin for the Vita Two. Vita, two, or I, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call it Vita Two. Right, it's it, the easier way to do it. So uh, there's there is no nail in the coffin for the Vita Two, but I think that Sony is more worried about making their money where they're making their money right now, and that's focusing on PS4. And obviously, they're knocking it out of the park. There's oh, so yeah. much. There is so much first party support, and also just uh, partnered, you know, developers, second party support, uh, third party relations stuff. That they there's no hurt for anything on PS4 almost. Yeah, correct. Um, it make, and it makes sense. And too. the only way I would want to see a Vita successor come out with what they're talking about here, I think that they would eat because I've seen how well it works with the PS4. The only way a Vita successor could come out is if they came out of the gate with just a ridiculous, Everything. ridiculous games lineup. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if they're first party. People just want quality games. First party does not. No, no, sorry, not first party. Triple A, right? That's what I meant. Sorry. No, but uh, even then, it's it, what you're. What people, triple A does not necessarily mean quality, just like oh. indie doesn't necessarily mean quality. But what's funny is that now we're in this realm where you can launch a system with a lot of really good indie games that are really interesting, and people will actually buy into them. My whole thing is is that Sony always says like proprietary this, proprietary that, hacking. Well, that Nintendo was, runs off micro SD cards. Yeah, but Nintendo also gets hacked a lot. But, but they're still su- core, they're core, still super successful. Core markets a lot of children, and it's also Japan. Japan doesn't have that big of a pirating issue. I wouldn't say the core children. market is children anymore. <laughs> I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it's split, but you there it's heavily geared towards children. Geared toward yes. And then and then the other thing is, is a lot of their games. I mean, you can get things to hack it, but you know. Regardless, I think that there's always going to be piracy. There's just no almost no way around it. Now, exactly. Vita, so to be fair, Vita is not getting hit yet. 3DS has been pirated. I mean, I thought Vita is on hit. I thought you can't hack a Vita. You can get into it, but you can't play. Un, you can't play official software for it yet. You can only play okay. emulators. It, uh, yeah, 3DS has a couple of different ways, but that means Nintendo still goes strong, and they don't limit themselves by saying you know. And, and yeah, and I agree, but also because there's more developer support, knowing that these games are going to sell well because it has a bigger install base. 
Sony had to do this stuff from the get-go because PSP kind of sloped off at the end, even though it sold 80 million strong, it whereas the Vita was coming up from the PSP that had this issue, and I guarantee you to even get developers to our publishers that really to go, hey, we are going to partner with you. We will release this game on there. They had to assure publishers that they were not putting money into something that would have absolutely no return because of easy ability to hack it. It was if Pandora's you, if, battery, wasn't it? Yeah, Pandora okay. battery was was one of the ways. Which and is got, crazy because it's a battery, it, not it got, a card. Well, the memory card played into it. You had to use the battery and the memory card at the same time, and it would. It was crazy. Okay, I can explain it to you because I did it. And, right, yeah, I have. I, I used to have it. Yeah, I don't know where it's at. Um, but regardless. I did it, and I was part of the problem. I don't. I'm not a poor little kid now. I was a teenager back then. I didn't have money. Uh, I'm not a poor kid now, so I buy everything. Um, but pirating is just a very different thing, it, and I think that they had to do it to an extent. So when you're talking about a Vita 2 coming, some of the similar things would come into play. But I would really hope that they would find a way to just kind of back off and go, okay, here it is. Here's what the system's going to be. We're hoping it's going to sell just like the Vita's been doing off of the quality of the games that we're releasing and, right. the, and the amount of games that still release for the console. If they can keep that kind of pace up i guess is probably the best way to word it it's a pace of games and make it and, and even sean when neo pointed out in his uh in his tweets us he had an idea of it being a handheld as a and as he, a well, he's mentioned this a whole lot and actually it's funny it's the first time i've seen him actually show like uh, a mock-up the yeah the mock-up i thought that was pretty interesting but with that being said i want to go off for what some of the people on here said so of course no fate um uh, said i've said this a few times i would like sony to Excuse me. I would like Sony to release a new handheld in the form of DualShock 5 controllers boxed with PS5. So I don't I get where he's going. He's saying keep the DualShock 4 the, the same controller moving forward into the PS5 and then let the DualShock 5 be this. And what this is is basically a it almost looks like a Wii U Pro controller with a screen slapped in the middle. I just don't realize <laughs> that screen is going to be really small or that's going to be a very big controller. <laughs> That has to well, be don't be wrong. It's a mock-up, and it's just right. something yeah, somebody no, did. I, no, I that's, understand. That, that's basically all Vita stuff. The way it See, is. I thought it'd be cool. You know, Sony has a good lot of phones. The Xperia lines, a pretty decent lot of phones. It would be yeah, so mid-tier. cool that if they would release a device that is ex- uh, essentially an Xperia screen or an Xperia. Think of okay. Think of a tablet-style Xperia like the Switch, but it docks onto an actual DualShock, and that's the controller. Well, then what's doing the processing? The, the screen no, the box? tablet. The whole tablet. Like, it, it, it's essentially a Sony Xperia tablet that docks onto the Switch. I mean, that docks onto the uh, DualShock 4. Well, that uh, basically exists now. You can get little things that you can dock your, and I'm talking about your phone. For your phone. And, but, and, and you dock it up there. Uh, but I'm talking about its own standalone device, like a Switch, but docks into a controller, which is the DualShock and connects via Bluetooth. And then that's the machine. Then you're carrying a lot more stuff around, though. You do the same thing with Switch. It is oh, successful yeah. doing it. But the, And don't get me wrong, I play the Switch as a handheld. It is not. I actually saw somebody. He it said, is not by far a successful handheld. He said the design is awful. The dude takes his Joy Cons off, sticks them in his back pocket, then sticks the tablet in his other back pocket. I'm like, you're gonna crush it. Like, you know how I am. I'm OCD. I Too can't big. Do that. It wouldn't even fit in the majority of my pockets. It fits in one pair of my pants. See, and I'm OCD anyways. And I, I keep carry, everything in the case. I, I keep, and it makes it that much harder. I keep everything in a case, and I always put it in a bag, or I just carry it because it's never that inconvenient to me. Because until I'm having to use both hands. That's my my draw. I, and I just feel like my number one thing about a Vita 2 has consistently been that I think that the form factor is perfect of yeah, a Vita. it's true. I like All you do is slim. make it a little thicker, maybe, and just thick enough to add those buttons we're talking about, clickable analog sticks, yeah. which go we've already and, seen on Thin, so they can do that. Go back and watch like episode 13 where we talked about that. Yeah, when we're talking we, about... We went through a wish list of what we want on a Vita 2. Yeah, and, but... Well, I mean, but... I guess my thing is is that so I wanted to talk about switch sales before and we're we're getting a little lost in the weeds on some stuff here so sorry about that guys if we've been kind of ranting to, to a talking in circles a little bit but oh, it's actually episode six I'm sorry yeah but it's really early so what I want to go into is he's talking about this a you don't know he was saying you don't know how well the switch is going to continue to perform for how long because one thing to mention is that of course the switch is a new console new console adoption rates are always very high that's just the way these things kind of work out Uh, the first year of any console normally sells pretty well the first year of the Wii U sold decent uh, and then you saw a heavy slope after that but the first few months were the most were the strongest Uh, then you saw a decent for the rest of the year and then it really sloped off so with that being said 
you know, you can look at the switch numbers to an extent, or yeah, to an extent, and say, uh, oh, you know, it's not really selling that much. You don't know if it's going to continue. But I think that the sales, as we've seen as of July, so this is back in July, we haven't seen official number count come out since then. Uh, the guesstimation is somewhere around eight to ten million units, depending on how they've yeah. been able to get them out uh, right now. So back in in July, the official number is that. The total sales of the device is 4.71 million units. Now, that's impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, that's impressive for a number of reasons. It goes to show that the and the console has consistently sold that strongly, partially due to con- supply constraints, too. So it creates that almost, I don't want to say false, but pe- every time there's supply cr- constraints on anything, people almost want it more. I also, yeah. I was uh, say, so it keeps demand up. But I with that being said, you're talking. I could get a SNES Mini really easily. If not, yeah. screw well, you. What you're talking about is 5 million units in a, what, four month period in July? That's I a guess million five units month a month, basically. Period. That's all. That's all. That's a lot. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, don't be wrong. PlayStation was crushing that, but for what this is, certainly for what this is, this is good numbers, and the the numbers have not uh, slowed down at all. So, what I would really like to see is if there is, and and we don't have that information now. I looked around for it for as long as I could, uh, and just couldn't come up with anything. But I would really like to see if they could get a survey going to look at how many people actually use the Switch as a dedicated handheld uh, with the added ability of just being able to hook it up to a TV or how many people use it as a dedicated console with the added ability of being able to take it if you absolutely need to. I think to. that's how it should have been marketed is a handheld with de- a dedicated uh, well, yeah, with a cool ability. And I come. agree. And they, they flipped and said console, but I still think that most people took the idea of it being a handheld first and foremost. I don't think very, I, I would. And, and again, these are all things. I really super curious to see what numbers would be on something like this. Yeah. I really want to know. See, I want to see a, like if I can make a straw poll and then, potentially post like on the Nintendo switch subreddit and see if I could actually, if that won't break any rules and then report back next week with that. That's yeah. I would be interested in doing that. Just going on the Reddit and just seeing the people who constantly use it and seeing where they use it. The majority, because I think that the, I just, the, 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 the feel that I get, the general feel from everybody I know who's had one and people I see talking about online is that it is first and foremost, a handheld for them. Uh, and if you look at people, you know, when some people talk about what holds it back, sometimes the people are like, oh, well, the switch isn't very strong. The people who are more into the power side of it, and they go, well, it's a handheld. More people go towards the mental side of it being a handheld than do a console. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've heard one person call it a console that I know that I've talked to. Somebody, and I was telling you this earlier, I don't remember who it was, but somebody pointed out that the that the Switch is, is weaker than the Xbox 360, the PS3, and the Wii U. And I'm like, right, because you're comparing these to home consoles instead of comparing them to well, home consoles Well, actually, I'm going to say, I, I thought that the Switch was right about, I think I thought it was a little bit more powerful than the PS3. Well, see, and, and, I, and I think it is just Because technically, it, the Wii U was technically more powerful uh, on one side, but its CPU was dirt. Yeah. Its GPU was great. Its CPU was, was horrible. So it had great graphics processing power, but it had guy, no... No actual processing, you know, computational output. The guy who said that could be mistaken. Well, either I, way, I want to say it's from IGN, but either I way, be, you're, you're not wrong. you're not talking about this thing comparing to home consoles in any form or fashion. Yeah, you, don't, switch, you don't do that. It's, switch, it's such a new. Well, you, thing. Can't, you can't even you can't compare the even when the switch docked when it's at full power. You know, when it has the extra crap that plugging it in lets it run. It's plugged in, so you don't have to worry about overheating a battery. Even at its best. It cannot run the majority of cross-platform games. Of course uh, not. Now there's some that can be scaled down relatively easily, like sports games and stuff. But you're not going like to see. You're not going to see a game like Mass Effect Andromeda on the Switch. You're just. I'm not. actually. I'm interested in seeing Wolfenstein 2 run on it. I'm really curious as how that's going to look. Wolfenstein 2 is coming out on it. And Doom. You didn't hear about that. I know Doom is, but yeah. I know Wolfenstein 2 was. Oh yeah. So I'm really interested on what that's going to look like and how it's going to run. Well, you know, good dude, for, for how huge Breath of the Wild is, it looks really good for the escape of the game. Well, so actually, have, you, have you seen the shader being taken off of it? It looks like a PS2 game. The shader? Yeah, you know, it's got a it's got a cartoon shader that sits on top of everything, and which lends itself to the art style, right? I if no you, There's somebody who found a spot in the game where you can break the shader where it just goes to what the actual model, model is, and it looks like Shadow of the Colossus. I bet it does. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look at. So definitely, what it comes down to is them finding interesting ways to manipulate the system to seem more powerful than it is, which is what consoles are all about. To be fair, it is. Um, but it's Uh, it's all upscaling is. It's so hard to look. Going back to the main argument, it's so hard to look at five million units sold in such a short period of time, and now we're talking eight million units 
out from when the switch the switch released early March, right? Yeah. So that's okay. What, so six early months? March to now, you're talking seven months, I guess. Seven. I'd say seven months. That's a little over a million a month. Yeah, it's about to be seven months because we're going into October. So right, going. Yeah. In, so talking about that, you're talking about seven months of sale, and there's been no slowdown. I don't think Sony can look at that and go, "Well, uh, it's just a market that we don't really feel like there's much demand for." I see. You're seeing a huge, <laughs> bless you, a huge revolution in revolution. Um, in, in these handheld numbers and, you know, some people, like I said, these hand, like, it's such a weird concept because is it handheld? Is it console? It's both. And, and that it, is, it qualifies as both. It has it crap does, console it does, graphics it does. and you can compare it to consoles all you want. And yeah, it has crap. Console well, graphics. it has, it has last gen console graphics. Uh, kind of like yeah, it's, in, it's in this weird in between you know which is cool for being able to take it with you yeah it is it is the battery life is something that is an issue there's a lot of hurdles that i feel like the switch did not handle very well the fact that you can only play zelda on it a handheld mode for like two and a half hours is ridiculous see i always got around four i never and got I don't that know what i was doing i got three at the most and it might be because i treat my switch like i treat my sony gold headset the second my power my ps4 off i plug it in and it charges so the second i turn my switch off in sleep mode i throw it in the dock to let it charge yeah, I don't. I never use a dock. <laughs> oh, that's all I use to charge it. Uh, so uh, I guess I, I was wrong. When I said I've only docked it. But that goes back to something but, that what I was talking about with the goes back to what Andrew House is saying is that you, you know it's a hybrid, and that they have a different approach. It is true. There's no Sony does not need to copycat itself into this switch situation and to try and capitalize on some of this market. That's not going to help them. What's going to end up being and what we really need is for Sony to pave their own path. If it's going to be a hybrid, it needs to be a hybrid in a, in a discernibly a true, different way. Yeah, in a true sense as well. Uh, and I don't know how you do that. I thought that the I really thought the elegant solution was exactly what they were doing, which is probably not very cost effective. Which is what they were doing with the uh, the Vita and the PS3, which was making the same game for both. When you buy one on PS3, you get the download for the Vita one. Uh, and then, and that's what all cloud and then, savings and then you throw over. your your cloud save around, which yeah. I thought was honestly more elegant than trying to push so see, much power into a handheld that when you put it in handheld mode, you only get three or four no, hours of battery. Truly you know, I, I typically get save, seven though. hours of battery life out of my Vita. Yeah, that's what I want. And cloud save was intended as take your console over here or or go to somewhere else, sign mm-hmm. in your account, and take your safety down. I'm going somewhere that, that has a PS4. That has the game I'm playing, and I have the time to actually do all this. No, that's not a true concept. That's what I think cloud saving was originally intended for. Oh, being purpose. able to throw your games back and forth. Yeah, yeah, between, on, between two different hills. systems. Yeah. yeah, I thought that it was it worked so well. I did it so much no, it, with it Terraria. Works, it works and really I did it, well. You I was doing it with Terraria on PS4. It works yeah. amazingly. And see, and it's so it's so quick that if they can find a way for you to seamlessly throw your game over and it and it can like almost pick up, maybe even on the handle itself would be really cool. That's too. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, uh, it'd be really interesting to see, but that's it. Comes down to how do they how do they do it without feeling like they're completely aping the switch? Because the way the market works is that anytime somebody comes out with something and it turns out to be a good thing and it really sells for them, the the, the competition always tries relatively to do imitation. the same thing. Yeah. Imitation just it works. Microsoft came out with the uh, Xbox Live. Sony saw how well it was doing, and they go, "Oh man, this is a real deal. We're going to have to come out with PSN. We're going to have to make an online thing. We have to make a PS Store." And that's why they were behind. They had to catch up. They had to go, "Oh, people really like these achievements. We're going to put trophies, and we're going to put our own twist on it." And they and that's how they need to do it. The same way they handled making trophies be something that was obviously inspired by achievements, but still so different that the pool is very different. I never had a pull for achievements. Not even because I'm not the big of an Xbox person. I don't. The, the score doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, it's there's not, something about the level of, cool. of what the trophy is. It's bronze. It's silver. So yeah. going off of that, if they can find a way to put their own twist on this hybrid idea in a way that works, I think more elegantly than what Switch does. Because I think there's an argument that that Switch is more elegant because of the fact that it's literally just pull it up and it's and it's ready to go. But it's held back by a lot of things. It's held back by this battery and trying to still scale the game down. Honestly, I think that even if they came out with a Vita 2, uh, obviously, say it came out a year from now, and they are indeed it, it would be about, if it could be as powerful as the Switch uh, with a 720p screen and, and, and find a way to let the batteries work a little bit better. I mean, USB-C was a smart decision on Nintendo's part. I'd want to see Certainly Sony was. do that as well. Which so you, you started seeing them move away from proprietary with that micro USB inclusion of the of the dude, what slim. was it? Macro USB on their or first mini USB? No, no, for PSP, mini USB. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Uh, That's garbage. Slow charge times. You can never find it at like Walmart, which is I'm no. 13. It was a normal USB cord for PSP, right? But what is that called? Mini USB. Yeah, I thought so. 
Yeah, I could never find those cables anywhere. Those are normal USB cords, the same ones that came with your PS3 to charge your controller. It's a normal USB. I mean, I'm sure it is. I didn't have a PS3 at that time, though. Well, but as way, a kid, I couldn't find either it. Either way, there's there's ways that they could come out in the market, but I think the, the biggest thing is that we personally see what he means in terms of why they are not necessarily doing it, but I disagree that, yes. at least from a personal standpoint, I think that I know enough people to where I feel like there's enough evidence, including the switch sales numbers, to say that there is a market here for this. How big is that market, and how readily available is it to explore? When definitely, because unless they release one right now, you don't know. Yeah. You, so you're talking a year I mean, from now. Hentai in Japan is is absolutely crazy, but it still has you know it's it's loyal fans here. It's like come on, <laughs> you can't keep comparing these markets. Anyways, you guys, you can always find us on Triangle SQRD on the tweets. And on, the, on the tweets. On the tweets. I'm going to go twit. Um, and, of course, all of the podcast services we mentioned in, in the episode below. We, yeah. we did about four or five. So Of course, it was really short notice that we kind of did this episode, and it kind of needed to be a quick episode due to scheduling issues and stuff like that. But I'm very curious to hear more of y'all's thoughts on what a Vita 2 should be, what a Vita 2 could be, and whether or not a Vita 2 even deserves to live at this point. Uh, and I think that... My answer still falls in the fact that in my dream world, a Vita 2 should exist. Uh, from Sony's marketing standpoint and where they are in a business perspective, just coming out of the red and coming back into a, being in the black, I think that it's probably very prudent of them to not be trying to just jump back into something that could potentially hurt them. And yeah, and don't don't blame it on the market because that's real messed up. Like as a mar- as a company, maybe, but still, don't come and say. Well, no, but I mean. Uh, you, you, to be fair, you blame everything on the market. I mean, the market is the reason the PlayStation 4 is exceeding. The well, market yeah, is the reason... I wish I'd have faith in their fans, is what I should say. They they should have faith in us, faith, us faith ain't, Westerners. Faith ain't money in your pocket, though. Boy, if they came out with if the, uh, Vita 2, there would be money in their pocket right then and there for me. Well, it'd be really interesting to see because you know you constantly see these games. This is going to be my last thing. You constantly see game makers making games that people are literally clamor for forever. And... Is it that the execution is so bad, or is it the fact that they didn't really want it? Because I don't know if you saw, uh, and I meant to put it in the news, Marvel versus Capcom flopped. Dude, they took out, you can't play with three characters, you can only play with two. Well, yeah, they took again, the execution's part of that, but you know, uh, they made... Um, Extremely ugly. They made Mirror's Edge 2, game that people clamored for, didn't sell very well. Yeah, that game was garbage. So, I mean... There's, there's very quick for people to say they want something to when it comes out, they don't really, they don't actually go through with what they, that, what they were saying. So, again... With a huge player Having base, faith on. in us and listening to people saying they want one does not necessarily equate to money in their pocket. So it, it's not a bad thing that Sony's trying to be a little... Sony came out their own credit card today. Boy, if you're poor, <laughs> poor get that. Buy the Vita 2. All right. So that's where we stand on this Vita 2 thing. I want to see one personally. I understand why Sony isn't necessarily gung-ho to jump back into it, but I don't... I keep the reservation that Sony will eventually one day do this. That is not a guarantee. I just, it's like a gut feeling. Right. Because I honestly say I never expected a Vita, and they did it. Yeah, and I can't see them not doing another handheld while the Switch is out. And see, it's just all about... So you're saying throughout the whole Switch's life cycle... Oh, no no doubt within two years, Sony, Sony's going to reveal a new handheld. It'll be really 100%. interesting to see. 100%. Come back to episode 27 and prove me wrong. Yeah, do it. All right, this has been episode 27. Thank you. Thank you, guys.